The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Spotify for podcasters. Hi, friends. This is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. Spotify for podcasters is now available for use by anyone out there who's interested in producing, monetizing, and distributing their podcast. You can have access to some of the best tools in the industry using Spotify for podcasters. Go to podcasters.spotify.com for more details. Listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. So we're going to discuss the teachings of the Rosicrucians, particularly the organization known as Amork, the ancient mystical order of Rose Cruce. And we're going to be reading from what's called the Rosicrucian Manual. And this was originally written in 1918, and this is a 1990 re-edition thereof that we'll be reading from. So, 1918 book, and this was put out in 1990 as a reprint of that book. So, we're going to discuss some ideas here, talking about what it is they believe and teach about illumination, or more particularly, what they refer to as psychic illumination. There may be a distinction between general illumination and psychic illumination. We'll see as we read into it here, but... These are the things they teach, and as always, I will give this disclaimer that you always have to take this stuff with a grain of salt, because at the end of the day, there's no way to really necessarily prove nor disprove any of these different things. It's just taken on the basis of experience, and sometimes on a basis of faith. And sometimes, you're just pretty much taking their word for it on a lot of this stuff. So you do have to take it with a grain of salt, as I do caution. But uh, I think there's some valuable information to be garnered by looking at these kinds of books. And that's why we do this thing. So we're going to get reading here. And we're going to start, and it says here, When the student is ready. The question may be asked, what is the ultimate goal of Rosicrucian study and preparation? It is an old question that has been answered thousands of times in each country by the attainment that has come into the lives of the most devoted students. It is well that the neophyte and the adept alike should be reminded again of the real purpose of the work we are engaged in and the reward that may be theirs when found ready and worthy. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So once again, like all the other secret society groups, 
This group, the Rosicrucians, teach that uh, the real purpose and the reward thereof for the real purpose will only be found and experienced when you are ready and worthy. And who considers worthiness? Who's the one who comes up with the distinction of whether you're worthy or not? <laughs> These are questions you have to ask. Who determines are you worthy? Are you ready? Well, we might get some answers in the Rosicrucian viewpoint here as we read on as to who they think that may be. There is a very old and well-founded injunction that when the student is ready, the master will appear. This has been very greatly misunderstood and is used by thousands for refusing to unite with any school or organization, preferring to wait until the personal teacher manifests. The injunction distinctly says, quote, when the student is ready, the master will appear, end quote. What is meant by being ready? Surely it is not merely a matter of time. It must be precisely what thousands have found it to mean when the student is ready through preparation and worthiness. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So now you see the Amorc, this ancient mystical order of Rosé Crucé. They deem the old expression here, when the student is ready, the master will appear. What do they mean by ready? Well, they're not just saying ready through the course of time or through any such thing, but it's through preparation and worthiness, and especially as it pertains to preparation through one of the secret society groups and worthiness through that organization. This leaves the matter very clearly in the hands of each student. He may prepare slowly through selected reading, through long hours of meditation covering many years, or through the occasional attendance at lectures and discourses. If time is of no consequence, then a student may wait until the close of this incarnation, or even another, for the appearance of that master who is to be his personal teacher. Here again we may ask, what master, what teacher? Surely not an earthly master, for such do not require the preparation and development necessary for cosmic illumination. The sincere student who truly prepares himself and becomes worthy of the personal instruction from a master soon develops beyond the point where any earthly master would satisfy. Only a cosmic master would meet the requirements of one who is ready. So we're going to pause for a moment right there. A cosmic master. Not a, an earthly master, so not a human being here on earth. This is not the teacher who will appear when you're ready, according to the Rosicrucian Brotherhood here. The Amorc, this is just one denomination of Rosicrucianism. One of the many secret society groups, but I assure you they all teach very similar doctrines all throughout all of these various secret orders. Mystical occult fraternities, they all teach the same things with a slightly different spin and a slightly different word for description for much of it. So we see here they're saying it's about cosmic illumination, about having a cosmic master who will appear when you're found ready and worthy by those within the secret schools, by your teacher. So next this asks how to prepare. How then shall the student prepare most efficiently and with the utmost economy of time? 
This, too, is an age-old question, asked in the mystery schools of Egypt, as it is asked in the arcane schools of our order today. There is but one answer. By taking the preliminary and graded steps in the earthly schools of the masters and attaining the degrees of readiness through directed preparation. Hence the establishment of the arcane schools in all lands, hence the great work allotted to them by the masters. Where are the great masters and how are they contacted? Here we find more difficulty in answering, not because our knowledge is meager, but because language is inadequate to express the sublime facts. There are some conditions of cosmic life which even the language of the Shakespeare gems could not describe. We may comprehend, we may apprehend, and there may come to us, through words, some faint conception of the beauty, magnificence, and divinity of the cosmic scheme, but ne never a complete realization until we have made the personal contact and found cosmic illumination. Going to pause for a moment, folks. So anyway, we see here that this is about finding cosmic illumination. And where are the great masters and how are they contacted? Well, they don't say they, they, they really don't know. They'll say that uh, their knowledge about this isn't meager, but uh, they just can't find adequate, adequate words to express where and how to find these masters. And of course, they're speaking of what's referred to in some of the other or organizations here as ascended masters. Cosmic masters, cosmic illumination, the secret teachers, right? That are not earthly masters, as it were. This is what they claim in, the, in their own writings here. So we see that uh, in the cosmic scheme that we may comprehend and apprehend certain things, but it's only a faint conception. It's as if in a mirror darkly, okay, to go back to a biblical reference here. So this is what they're trying to express in certain regards. Let's continue reading, though. Know, then, that there is a wonderful union or assembly of master minds, master personalities, who constitute the holy assembly of the cosmic. One of these masterful characters, Kuthumi, the illustrious, is shown in a portrait in another part of this manual. He was one of the two masters referred to by the ancient mystics and made somewhat known to advanced theosophists by the late Madame Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, who was one of the personal students of the master. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So allegedly Blavatsky was a student of this Kuthumi, the illustrious, an ascended master, claimed, claimed ascended master from the theosophists, this old entity contacting Madame Blavatsky and others, part of the Master Assembly here, the Holy Assembly of the Cosmic, as they call it. This is coming from the Amorc, from the Rosicrucians, a branch of Rosicrucianism. And you'll notice how they all touch upon each other, because now they're talking about the Theosophist Blavatsky. And Blavatsky was one of the main founders of Theosophy as a movement, and as a secret society of sorts. I don't know if it truly qualifies as a quote-unquote secret society, but it definitely is a secret mystery school, so to say. 
teaches mystery school teachings. So therefore, I would say it probably qualifies as what we would consider by loose definition today as a secret society. They don't let their secrets known to outsiders, by and large. Theosophy seems to be a little more open with their information than other groups, but uh, still, same teachings all throughout, and we see here how there's this crossover. So we have this Kuthumi. The master Kuthumi is deputy grandmaster of the Great White Lodge of the symbolic Great White Brotherhood. Going to pause for a second here, folks. So this heading that the, in the book is called the Great Masters now, and this master Kuthumi or abbreviated as KHM here, is Deputy Grandmaster of the Great White Lodge of the symbolic Great White Brotherhood. So the Great White Brotherhood, this is referenced by the Theosophists quite a bit. It's also referenced here in Rosicrucian circles, all throughout all the secret society groups. They acknowledge this as being a thing. This is where you have this holy assembly of the cosmic, these masters, ascended masters, this is part of the secret brotherhood. So let's continue reading here what it says about this. So the master, KHM, is deputy grandmaster of the Great White Lodge of the symbolic Great White Brotherhood. He was at one time known on earth as Tutmos III of Egypt, and at one time resided at Lake Morris or Morias. He was referred to in the Zend Avesta as the Illuminator, and was also known in Egypt as the Krumata, the Kaira Meta. I pronounced that wrong. It's it's spelled Krumata, K-R-O-O-M-A-T-A, but it has in parentheses here, I guess, the proper pronunciation, which would be Kaira Meta, from which comes our Rosicrucian word used in our rituals and salutations, Kromaat, spelled C-R-O-M-A-A-T. And it says in parentheses here, it is... Interesting to note that if we take the initials of the title of our order, the ancient and mystical order Rose Cruce, and reverse them, we have Chromat. So the master, KHM, often called KH, passed through a number of reincarnations and was an important character on this earth many times, and has lived for over 140 years in many incarnations. During his most recent incarnation on the earth plane, he lived at a secret monastery and temple near Kitchengarga, called variously Kitchijarga, Kitchijurgjarga, or Parchajargpatpa by the Tibetans and Sikhamese. So I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So once again, the fingerprints of theosophy are all over this as well, and this is one of those things wherein many of the teachings overlap between these different groups, and many of the memberships of these different groups and orders overlap. So we see here they're talking about this ancient ascended master who was known as Tutmos III here on earth in Egypt, was also referred to as the Illuminator, and was known in Egypt as the Kaira Ameta. And that's an important title, I suppose, to these people. But they call him the Master KHM, or often call him KH, just for short. And they say he had a recent incarnation here in Tibet, where he lived in a secret temple. <laughs> so, as I caution you, you got to take this stuff with a grain of salt. So, 
They claim he had an earthly incarnation here, but this is one of the Ascended Masters who teaches, one of the secret teachers of the student when they're ready, when they're found worthy, I suppose, according to their words here. So let's continue on. So next it says, Cosmic initiation, hence the real preparation of which we are speaking is for the purpose of ultimately being admitted by cosmic initiation into the symbolic Great White Brotherhood that herein the Master will appear to the student who is ready to take him under personal instruction and lead him or her on to higher development where someday mastership in the Great White Brotherhood is certain and assignment to service as Imperator, Megus, or Hierophant in some phase of the work on Earth will then bring affiliation with the Great White Lodge. And I'm going to pause for a moment right here, folks. Anyway, so we see here, so now it says that the Master will appear to the student when he's ready, give him personal instruction. You know, this Cosmic Master, this Ascended Being, will appear to the student when they're deemed worthy and ready. And then he'll teach them and lead them on to higher development where they too can achieve mastership in the Great White Brotherhood and become assigned to a service such as Imperator, Megus, or Hierophant and do some phase of the work, the great work on Earth of the Great White Lodge. And as I always caution, take this with a grain of salt, there's no way to prove nor disprove any of this stuff. These people make all kinds of claims with nothing to back it up except for hearsay. And this is another such thing. If somebody were to come to you and say, hey, you know what? I had a being appear to me and he's instructed me to do such and such. Would you believe that? <laughs> uh, think about that. He claims to be the Third from Egypt and he, he taught me some things, some secret teachings, some mystical teachings, secrets that I, I can't reveal to you because you're not worthy. Would you, you believe this person or would you think that uh, there's something amiss with what they're telling you? Well, this is what we have going on here within the secret society groups, within these secret orders. And this, this one in particular, the Amorc. So we see this is what they claim. They, they claim this is how people get their instruction from such a being. So let's continue on here. How is such instruction given by the personal master? It is truly personal and is given through the media of the cosmic. In other words, it becomes what is generally referred to as cosmic illumination or cosmic consciousness. For at certain hours, days, or weeks of one's life, one becomes conscious of some new and astounding knowledge, often with, and sometimes without, being aware of the presence or contact of the personal teacher. So I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. So, now it's saying one day you'll wake up and you know something or realize something new, and this is the work of the cosmic personal teacher. You may not recognize it, though. Uh, oftentimes you'll you'll know that this was this came from the teacher, but sometimes you you'll realize it without realizing that it came from the teacher. <laughs> so they're gonna take credit for anything new you figure out, right? <laughs> this is how it works, and then they'll claim this was the teaching of the personal master, the cosmic teacher, to you. They whispered this secret in your ear, and you you didn't know this before, and now all of a sudden this epiphany hit you, this new realization. 
Any new type of insight you get into something, well, this could be accredited to the teacher, right? The master, the ascended master, whispered it to you unbeknownst to yourself. Let's read on. The student who attains membership in the Great White Brotherhood after due preparation and real worthiness first discovers this by becoming conscious of having passed through a series of events constituting a true initiation. Often these occur during the night or while he is on periods of rest and meditation in the mountains or valleys away from active worldly affairs. This consciousness is accompanied by an influx of divine apprehension and spiritual awakening, affecting even the physical body to such an extent as to bring about a real rebirth of the body with rejuvenation, increased vigor, restored functioning in organs and parts that were tired, depleted, or subnormal. Going to pause for a moment right here, folks. So, true initiation. So, what are they telling you about the initiation process that takes place through all these secret society groups through every level or phase within these groups true initiation you're not being truly initiated when you go through these initiation rituals within the lodge are you it's not a true initiation process we've discussed the notion of initiation before and what would be considered a type of uh, artificial initiation, which is what most of the secret society groups partake in. Okay, this is a contrivance, a synthetic type of initiation. And now they're talking about true initiation. Well, this only happens to the worthy few, the ones that are found worthy and are taught from on high by the secret teacher. And oftentimes they don't even know they're being taught by the secret teacher these certain things, these realizations. But rest assured, it's it's definitely the teacher that gave you that idea, right? Wouldn't want to credit that to, like, say, you know, a, a creator or a Holy Spirit or some such thing. No, this is, this is a teacher, an ascended master, just giving you information. This doesn't come directly from, you know, the Akashic field, as it were, or from God Almighty in any way. No, this is from an ascended master. You know, somebody that's been through our system understands all of our doctrines, one of these ascended beings, they're so sophisticated and so spiritually evolved that uh, now they could reach out to you from the other side in the spiritual world and give you these ideas, give you these interpretations of things you never had before. That's only, of course, if you're worthy. <laughs> it's only if you're, you're found worthy and ready. And you can only be found worthy and ready if you join one of these secret societies, allegedly, and go through their initiation process and through all their teachings and follow the directions of your earthly teacher here. They dangle these carrots before you, promises of these psychic powers or occult powers and these kind of things and all of these different types of uh, rewards that are possible if you're only found worthy. But here's the real secret, folks. Nobody is ever found worthy. It's just a carrot they dangle in front of you to keep you going further down the path of control. It's all about control. But let's read on here. I don't want to put words in their mouths. They'll tell you exactly who they are and what they're about in their own writings, as we'll see. Sometimes you have to learn to read between the lines of what they're saying, though, because they do like to hide 
information by negation, and they also like to hide information through symbology. Let's read on. Cosmic Consciousness. This is followed by a sudden increase in the functioning of a sense, which is mistakenly called intuition at the time, for it seems to be like the intuitive faculty that was being highly developed during the earlier stages of preparation, leading up to the original initiation into the Great White Brotherhood. It is not intuition, however, but cosmic consciousness of events now occurring and decreed to occur in the near future. It is knowledge and not a prophetic impression. Then, following guiding instructions and definite knowledge of laws and principles, acts and actualities in accordance with the needs and desires of the member. From then on, the member attends the earthly lodge as a worker to help others who are on the path and to assist in the great work. But he receives no instruction through an earthly master by means of books, lectures, papers, or diagrams. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So, you see, it's knowledge. It's not any type of prophetic ability or anything like that. It's not a prophecy, per se. It's just knowledge of things that are to come. You know, the very definition of what a prophecy is. <laughs> so, anyway, but I digress on that point. Uh, so, we see here, to achieve this cosmic consciousness, you follow the guiding instructions and definite knowledge of laws and principles in accordance with the needs and desires of yourself, apparently, because that's what they're talking about when they say the desires of the member. So you follow these only according to your own desires, and we see so much of this in the occult schools, and that's why agendas have taken the place of real good teachings within the secret lodges. Then it says, once you are initiated properly through a true initiation through contact with this uh, ascended master this secret teacher this not earthly teacher then you get involved in the earthly lodge and help out with the great work in the earthly lodge and you don't receive instructions by an earthly master at all by means of books lectures papers or diagrams well where do you get your instructions from then hmm let's read on and see this is why we urge those who have gone fairly high in the development of their psychic bodies and have attained certain knowledge and powers in our order to maintain a close contact with the order, with its class masters, and its imperator, for through such contact these members may find at any time, unannounced and unexpected, the initiation that will take them into the Great White Brotherhood, the last three degrees of study and preparation in the Rosicrucian order are designed especially to prepare the members in the most minute and varied details for the ultimate goal. And I guess that would be induction into the Great White Brotherhood. You see, initiation into the Great White Brotherhood. But let's see what else they say here. What then do we suggest to our members to aid them in attainment of this ultimate goal? that, above all else, they be loyal and devoted to the ideals of the Rosicrucian teachings and maintain every physical contact with the physical organization known as AMORC in the worldwide jurisdiction, the Americas, Australasia, Europe, Africa, and Asia, and by similar names in other lands. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So the most important thing to do in order for you to maybe attain this 
initiation into the Great White Brotherhood and be one of these leaders in world affairs here, doing the great work here on Earth and being led by these Ascended Masters. In order to be initiated into that, the best thing you can do is to keep physical contact with this organization. You know, be involved with the Brotherhood, with this secret order, this secret society. And make sure you pay your dues, right? (laughs) That's important, too. You gotta make sure to pay your dues to the organization, don't you know? But anyway, let's continue on. Like I said, I don't want to put words in their mouths. They'll tell you who they are and what they're about on their own. Benefits of our lessons. The mere intellectual study and comprehension of the specialized monographs and lessons issued to student members is not sufficient. Of and by itself, such study is but a third of the work of preparation leading to readiness and worthiness. The monographs are designed to accomplish two things, the first of which is to train the brain and augment the knowledge of the mind in regard to fundamental laws and principles leading up to a comprehension of the higher laws, and secondly, to give and suggest certain experiments and tests which will consciously and unconsciously develop certain psychic centers in the member that will quicken his psychic powers and abilities for more complete mastership and control of natural forces. So I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So you see, the intellectual study of these things is not enough, right? They have these specialized texts that will train you (laughs) so that you can understand the higher laws. And then understanding the higher laws, it'll teach you certain ways to experiment and test your psychic powers and abilities so that you can have full mastership and control of natural forces. This is what they teach in these secret organizations. But see, the the whole key here is studying this stuff, or, or actually having access to these training manuals and stuff, as they claim here, to develop your psychic abilities, that's not enough in and of itself. That's only a third of the work in preparation leading to your readiness and worthiness. Do you see how it's always this approach where it's you're never quite good enough? It's never quite good enough, and that's because it's not true. It's a carrot dangled in front of your face to lead you down this path. And at certain points, egoism takes over, and pride takes over, and you'll claim to have achieved these psychic powers, whether you have or not. And I mean, I... I I have an open mind, and I'll say perhaps it's possible to maybe through time and study and devotion and that kind of thing, maybe develop some type of clairvoyant ability or some such thing. Not saying that's not possible. I'm just saying the bulk of what goes on in these secret society groups is the promise of these types of occult powers that never come to fruition because you're never quite worthy enough or good enough or ready enough. Or that's what they tell you anyway. And you never receive the contact from the Ascended Master. You might get some insights here and there that you pick up on your own. But of course they'll take credit and say, Oh, well that's the that's the, the cosmic consciousness coming to you. That's the secret master giving information over to you. It's not anything you figured out on your own or perhaps were inspired by the Holy Spirit or God or the Creator or some such thing. No! That's not how they hold it up. But anyway, so they have all these monographs, they claim, and books, and these different teachings. 
that you need to learn about in order to develop your psychic powers. But like we said, that's not quite enough. That, that doesn't actually develop them in and of itself. <laughs> it only does if you're worthy and ready, right? So let's continue on. Many members look upon the monographs and lessons as if they were intended to cover only the first of the above purposes. To them, the lessons in all the degrees are like unto discourses in philosophy or metaphysics, often seeming to be simple and inconsequential. It is difficult indeed to make them appreciate the fact that unless the various exercises and tests are performed each week or even each day for a few minutes, there will be very little psychic development accompanying the comprehension of the monographs, and of course no real progress made. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So here you go. Here they have their caveat of plausible deniability here. Oh, well, it's not that the teachings don't work. It's just you're not worthy enough or you haven't been practicing enough. You're not quite good enough. You see that same thing recurrent through all these secret society groups, through all their initiation processes. That's why they call them mystery schools, because there's always a hidden mystery behind all of it, something you don't quite understand, but at some point you think you might understand a little bit about it, and they lead you down that trail, even though they don't understand it either. They'll make you believe they do and teach you things that may or may not be nonsense. Let's put it that way. I do find that there's a lot of good stuff in many of these books and these teachings. I think there is an air of truth to some of it, and that's why I find it important to look at these things. But they always include just a bit of poison with the good teachings, and it always invariably leads to this. Control of other people. That's what it's all about at the highest most levels of these secret society groups and these occult fraternities. Controlling other people, and they do that through the use of secrecy and through promises of these sublime powers that you can attain if you're just good enough, but you have to listen to exactly what they tell you and do all the things they tell you and be a good member of the organization, keep the secrets from the profane. Wouldn't want outsiders to find out any of these truths because it's so very important, and it's so important to the future of humanity, and it's so good for mankind to learn these things. That's why we keep it secret, right? <laughs> I, I always say no good could come from secrecy. And I've, I, I've heard the thing quoted ad nauseum from these people in these groups. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Sorry, that doesn't apply. If this is something that is truly beneficial for all mankind, make the information available for all when they want it instead of just keeping it secreted away and being the sole arbiter of who's worthy of the information or not. That's not how this works. If it's good for everybody, if it's something that's good for everyone. Why keep it secret? I'll tell you why they keep it secret. It's about control. Always has been, always will be. It's about power and control. Because what's happened through the years, through the ages, is people have learned some of these ancient knowledges, learned certain things about natural law, how things really work in this world, and they've kept them hidden from the masses for the purposes of control and for power over others for their own personal agendas. And through the years, many of the old teachings have been twisted and contorted and completely inverted from where they were. And now we have what we have within the occult orders here, and we have 
what we have in the world going on here, this push for a new world order through this one world government ideal, one world religion, one world currency. You've heard it all ad nauseum. Same old new world order. And it's all got its ties back to the ancient mystery schools and to these secret society groups and the people at the highest most levels thereof that seek dominion over this place, full spectrum dominance. They want to, in no uncertain terms, become the gods of this place. And they see that as being in their grasp now, so more than ever before, with the use of high technologies and through the advent of transhumanism, which, by the way, is just a new iteration of the great work, the great work, transhumanism, ascending to the post-human era here, becoming gods of this place. That's what they seek, and they see the use of technology as a means to get there within the potential grasp within their lifetimes now. That's why we have this push for totalitarianism in this world. That's why they're switching everything to digital. The push is on for everything digital. It's all about setting up this control system, becoming gods of this place, inverting the natural order, making it something completely and wholly artificial. That's where we're at in this day and age, and it all ties back to these teachings in these secret society groups, and most people are painfully unaware of it. Painfully unaware of it. It's all the same things that have been happening through the course of time here. We've seen through decades and centuries and millennia what they've been building within these secret society groups, how they've, at the topmost levels, they've been controlling things and steering things in certain directions with more and more totalitarian centralized control at the topmost levels through time, culminating in what we have today. But let's continue on. Psychic Awakening. On the other hand, another most difficult point to make plain to many members and students is that not all of the psychic development and awakening of psychic centers will be manifest to the objective consciousness of the student. <laughs> Gonna pause for a moment here, folks. So you see, it, just because you're not developing these psychic powers, as we said, well, maybe you're not doing it consciously. Maybe in your like astral form or some such thing, you're doing this. <laughs> so, once again, more plausible deniability here. It's not that the teachings don't work. It's just, well, that they don't. It, it hasn't happened yet on this plane, on the physical plane. You're, you're, you're using your powers on another plane, and you're just not aware of it yet because you're not advanced enough to have conscious remembrance or awareness of what happens in the other planes of existence yet. This, this is what they teach. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put words in their mouth. Like I said, they'll tell you who they are and what they're about in their own words here. Let's continue on. To think that it should be is to believe that all of the functioning of the psychic body should make itself continuously or periodically known to the objective mind. This will appear unreasonable when one stops to consider that not one thousandth of the functioning of the parts of the objective physical body is realized by the objective mind. Is one conscious of the functioning of the kidneys, the spleen, the pancreas, the brain, the air chambers of the lungs, or of the solar plexus, or the plexus around the aortic arch of the heart, or a thousand other places? Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So you're just unaware of the psychic abilities going on because, well, they function in much the same way your bodily organs do, and you're unconscious of that. That's the argument here. Let's continue on, though. 
Very often, the most devoted student and the most regular applicant of the tests and experiments feels that he is making little progress because he senses no particular development from within. He is likely to become discouraged, knowing that he is familiar from an intellectual standpoint with each law and principle he has studied, with no apparent manifestation of unusual abilities. But if he is persistent and patient, there comes a time when, having need of the laws in a practical way and not merely in a test, he finds a sudden impulse of power, a sudden quickening of a faculty, and there is a marvelous demonstration. Or he may go back over some experiment that puzzled him for weeks and now find a manifestation that was impossible before going to pause for a moment here, folks, but of course, that's only if you're worthy enough, right? <laughs> if you're not worthy, you need to keep plugging away at it. That's what they'll tell you. Be patient. It just hasn't manifested in a conscious way for you yet. <laughs> but keep working at it, kid. You might get there someday. Let's read on. Such students are always urged to continue their studies and diligently test each principle, try each experiment, and apply each law in the way described in the weekly monograph. They should give each monograph a full week's trial, and then if no success has been attained, or not such success as was expected, go on with the next monograph as though success had been attained. So just go ahead and pretend, folks. <laughs> pretend it worked anyway. That's what they're advising here. Try the new lesson diligently, and then the next lesson, and so on. After several months have passed, if the student goes back and reviews some of the experiments, which were not successful, he will find that he has some slight or large degree of success. Such reviewing does not interfere with the study and practice of the new lesson, and does not delay but assists the progress. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So you see, if you... If you just pretend like it worked and move on to the next lesson, it'll all be good. And if you go back months later and review it, uh, you might notice a slight or large degree of success. Or maybe not. If, if you don't, you're just not worthy, right? <laughs> so, this is how they set people up. They set people up for failure to begin with. They give them these false promises of power, of these psychic abilities, of these abilities as they were and they lead them on down the trail and the people become discouraged because well it's not working and then they divulge the next phase of the mystery oh well it's not working on the material plane but in your psychic body you're making progress you're just unaware of it on the material plane do you see the games they play so they string people along here with this stuff Especially when it comes to this psychic development and this kind of things. They promise people, oh, well, yes, if you advance far enough, if you're found worthy, then you can, you can wield these types of powers. With no evidence that there's any means that they can, but they don't show them any evidence of this. They just assure them of that, give them their teachings, say keep practicing. Maybe the Ascended Master will contact you. Maybe you'll have some kind of a spiritual contact. Never comes to fruition. But yet they still dangle the carrot in front of people and lead them down the path further and further into the deception here, as it were. And the true intention is to control people, even their own members. And they've been known in these secret society groups. It's a documented thing. They lie to their lower-level members about certain 
meanings of rituals and symbols and things like that. They lie, knowingly lie to them. Tell them this means this or that, and it really doesn't. And then they laugh at them in the higher degrees of the structure. You could find this in Freemasonry. I mean, Albert Pike talks about it openly in his book, Morals and Dogma. So this is what they do. They they mislead, knowingly mislead, their own lower-level members along the path because they haven't deemed them worthy yet of the, the true secrets. But they'll give them certain layers of meaning to symbols and stuff like that because all these different symbols have many layered meanings to them, some of which are not so mysterious as others. But they won't teach them the really good stuff until they get high enough into the degree system that they have, where they've shown that they're trustworthy not to reveal the secrets of the order and that they're going to obediently follow what they're told and they'll take the next blood oath to not betray the order, and so on and so on. And this is how it goes. And they promise them these occult powers and this worldly power and the ability to help mankind to evolve to the next state of consciousness here. Evolve spiritually to the next level. And a lot of it's farcical, if you really look at it with an objective point of view. and I, I do always advise people keep an open mind. I think there are some elements of truth to the things that they teach, especially as it pertains to some of the natural laws and such. But... The promises they make to their members and the way they string them along is just deplorable in my view. It's false initiation processes all throughout, as we've discussed here earlier. False initiation processes, false teachings, misleading teachings, misteachings, and unfulfillable promises. Always keep these people on the hook. Keep them as a puppet on the string. That's what it's about. Let's continue on here, though. It says psychic development. The monographs are all arranged so that the exercises lap over one another in affecting certain psychic centers. Three different exercises in three successive weekly monographs may appear to be unrelated, yet each one of them may pertain to the same end in view, and by going on to the second or third one, well, when the others did not show any success, one will aid in continuing the development started by the first. It must be kept in mind that the exercises and experiments do start certain degrees of development each time they are tried, whether a successful issue to the experiment is manifest or not. Once a serious application of a law is made, an awakening of some center results, and four or five applications in one week for the same purpose will start a process of development that may not be realized by the outer self, but will continue for weeks and months. So I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So it works, even though it doesn't work. <laughs> That's essentially what's being said here in paraphrase. It works, but it doesn't work, right? But rest assured that it still works, even though it's not working. Let's read on. Therefore, to repeat, the mere study of the monographs, as one would read a book of law to memorize the principles, is not sufficient for psychic development. And psychic development requires time in each human being, more or less according to the stage of development when the study is started. 
We come into each incarnation at a point in psychic development where we left off in the process at the time of transition in a previous incarnation. So I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So you might not be progressing, and it's not really your fault. It's just, you know, where you were in the series of time in the process here when you incarnated into this incarnation, right? So you weren't evolved enough in your previous incarnation here. So it's going to take longer for you. So that's why it's not working for you. Do you see the manipulation that goes on with this? Yeah, it's not working, but it's only not working because, well, you know, maybe it's just how you incarnated here. They have every excuse in the book for why nothing that they teach you holds water, right? Every excuse in the book, every type of plausible deniability that there is, it doesn't mean that what we're teaching you is faulty. It's just the faults with you. That's what they teach you. Really? It, you have to really consider these things. Like I said, I do think they have some insights and some truths to some of the things they teach, but... When it comes to brass tacks, when it comes to something like this, where they're offering you all these trainings and how to develop your psychic abilities, and nothing comes to fruition with it, and then they say it's not because it doesn't work, it's because you're just not developed enough. Well, I thought that was the whole point for the teachings, was to help me develop enough. Oh, well, you know, that's dependent upon other things. Like, you know, where you were in your uh, last incarnation on Earth, uh, when you made the transition and, you know, where, where you are today. So they have all these different ways, excuses, workarounds for why it is that uh, their teachings aren't working. And, of course, it has nothing to do with the teaching being wrong <laughs> or having it to be, you know, nonsense on the face of it or any such thing. It's, of course, always the fault of the person. So you're just never quite good enough. You're, you're just not worthy yet, you see. You haven't reached that, that phase of spiritual evolution. And that's what it's about here with these people. It all, all ties back to this spiritual evolution idea. And we've discussed this stuff before. We left off here. It says, We come into each incarnation at a point in psychic development where we left off in the process at the time of transition in a previous incarnation. Well, the soul and psychic self are on the psychic plane awaiting reincarnation. Certain work is being accomplished and certain knowledge attained, but that phase of psychic development which is capable of manifestation will in the human body must be developed on the earth plane, and this ceases to some degree while on the cosmic plane. I'm gonna pause for a moment here, folks. So yeah, when you uh, when you die, then then maybe you'll achieve some type of uh, advancement in your psychic abilities, but only on the psychic plane on the cosmic plane, and that won't happen here or show here at all. We, we know this because, well, we just know it, right? We, we know what happens. We know what happens when you die. This is what they claim. They, they all claim this idea of reincarnation, and they all claim this idea of you advance through these various incarnations and you ev evolve just ever so slightly further in each incarnation. Learn the lessons you need to learn, and then you come back over and over again, but with no memory of the past life, so you don't know what lessons you learned in the, your last life, right? 
<laughs> so you don't know what what you didn't learn in the last life. So that that's real helpful in starting all over again and not realizing perhaps you've made these mistakes before in a previous life. That that sounds like a real useful system, doesn't it? Anyway, I digress on that fact, but this this is the kind of thing they teach, so let's continue reading here. Therefore, not all of us are born, born alike in psychic development. Some will have certain experiences early in the lesson work, and some will have them a little later. But when those who have had to wait begin to manifest, the process is rapid and wonderfully satisfactory. Right here, to anticipate any questions which may be sent to us by members, let us say that it is impossible for the officers of the order to tell any member when she or he may expect to have certain manifestations, or to what degree a member is developed psychically, before being able to make any manifestation of his development. After development has started to manifest and the member can apply the development, it is a simple matter for the member and others equally developed to sense the development and its degree. <laughs> Don't ask any of the higher-up members. Don't ask the officers of the order. They, they can't tell you. It's not that they don't know. It's just that when, when you get there, you'll know it. You'll sense it. And others will sense it. And then we'll confirm it. <laughs> but until such time, don't ask us to try to tell you <laughs> when or how. So more plausible deniability built into this as well. So I just find these things sometimes laughable. I really do. I mean, like I, I said, I do think there's value to be found in a lot of these, these books and stuff that they do put out and a lot of these things they teach. It's just when you get down to the brass tacks of how they string along their members thinking they're going to be special, right? They're going to have these godlike powers at the end of the day. They're going to join this mystical occult order and become an ascended master who will help others on down the line and you'll have these mystical psychic powers of all sorts this kind of thing this is how they go about recruiting people sucking them in and taking them down the trail here and a lot of what happens especially in some of the the better known secret societies like freemasonry a lot of times people sign up and they join just to be part of the group and they go through what's called the blue lodge experience which is just the bottom three degrees of freemasonry these are called porch masons by some of those in the higher degrees so they go through this initiatory process they take the blood oaths swear allegiance to the fraternity and go through the initiation processes and they get a good deal down at the car dealership, a square deal at the car dealership, and their businesses are, begin to flourish because they support one another. And then they learn little more. They, they really don't care to advance much beyond the Blue Lodge, most of them. They just sit there and think they're doing good works. They're doing the spaghetti dinners to raise money for children's hospitals and whatnots, and they think that that's what the fraternity is all about. And they're led around by the nose by these people. Make sure you don't tell the secrets. Keep the handshake secret. And that's what a lot of them will claim. Most of the secrets are about passwords and handshakes and stuff. Which is local to local lodges and things like that. But by and large, it's only the ones that have 
an interest in maybe learning about occult principles and that kind of thing advance through the degree system beyond the first three degrees. And they go up into the higher teachings, as they were, as they called them, learn the higher laws. And this is the kind of thing that they go through. They, they string them along. And by the time you've gone through so many of these initiation rites and taken so many of these blood oaths, by that point, it's too late to get out. And that's what a lot of these members find out. If they're not totally bought in and they've made it pretty far, they're too afraid to speak up. Because there's no way to get out. You're in too deep now. So you keep your mouth shut and you go along to get along. And that's what a lot of them do. And they will string along the lower level members the same way they've been strung along. Just because that's part of what it is to be a member of the group here, to be accepted and to not be ostracized by the group or face, you know, a an unsavory fate, as has happened to some who have come out and said things. But at any rate, let's continue with the reading here, but I, I, I didn't want to digress for too far from the path here of what we're trying to talk about tonight, but uh, you see how this all aligns and works, right? It's about stringing people along. It's about establishing power and influence on others. And that's what happens the higher up the level of the hierarchy in these secret societies you go, the more influence and power you have over the lower level members and therefore society as a whole. Because look at the power like the Freemasonic Lodges have in every city in America. Well, they give themselves their business dealings preferential treatment among each other don't they? they? They get preferential treatment in court, preferential treatment by the police. The Fraternal Order of Police is a Masonic organization or a quasi-Masonic organization, in case you were unaware of that. So this is how much influence they have at large. And this is just the, the broad power base. This is the Blue Lodge folks, right? that have this kind of influence, but you don't think they're steered from above through the secret order? All these guys, they vote the same way and everything. They're, oh, well, who are we voting for in the election? Oh, you have to vote for this one. This this one's, a, a you know, one of us, so we vote for them. They give each other preferential treatment and things. That's kind of how it works, uh, not to digress too far from the, the, the topic here tonight, but let's read on. It says, Progress and Delays. The most rapid development is made by the student who is least concerned during the first few degrees of study about his or her psychic status. Careful study of the monograph for an hour on the night of the weekly lesson and a few minutes meditation on it each day at a convenient time plus an occasional test of any exercise will do more for the student than anything else. Previous studies and beliefs are the greatest source of trouble. Members who have studied theosophy, new thought, Christian science, yoga philosophy, or practical psychology for one year, two years, or five years, as is often the case, believe that they should see some special good coming from the Rosicrucian teachings after ten weeks of study. They attempt to compare the knowledge gained through our teachings in ten weeks with what they have learned in five years from other systems, always deciding that they are receiving very little from us in comparison to what they know. <laughs> going to pause for a moment. Does that not tell you something right there? 
<laughs> so in ten weeks, they're they're not gonna you're not gonna learn much from these guys that you don't already know. <laughs> Let's continue on though. In truth, they are only comparing what we give them with what they believe. It is necessary to take all these beliefs out of their minds before we have them we can have them start on our work unhampered by previous doctrines, theories, and speculative dogmas. Attainment of some success in psychic matters through the teachings in other systems does not indicate any special preparedness for the Rosicrucian work. Very often we hear the remark made, quote, Before I took up your Rosicrucian teachings and exercises, I had visions that were prophetic, could at times see other persons at a distance and make them sense me and could even heal by laying my hands on others, but now all of these things have stopped, and I find I have gone backward in my development. What is wrong? End quote. So I'm going to pause for a second here, folks. I don't know who would send them a letter like this. Obviously, this shows the crossover from some of these other occult fraternities. If you have these people that believe that they had healing powers and all these different psychic powers to begin with, and they joined the Rosicrucians to learn more, and then they fell backwards and can't do it anymore. Does this sound legit? So th this person's asking, what's wrong? If this is the case, and if this is true, if this person had these abilities, joined the fraternity, if I was that person, I would say, what's wrong? Is This is obviously either a completely misleading fraternity that's completely wrong about everything, or it's an evil fraternity that doesn't have the best interests of mankind in mind. And I would walk away from it instead of asking them, hey, I've followed your teachings. Well, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? But, but anyway, we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. And we'll go ahead and we'll read on. So they say here, after asking that question, says, without being unkind in our intentions, we say to those persons, quote, yes, and you may be able to play several pieces of music quite well on the piano without knowing anything of music, and after taking up the study of music for a while, you will find you cannot play the old pieces at all. But would this indicate you had gone backward in your talent? End quote. <laughs> all right, folks, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to ask the question. If you had musical talent and were able to play an instrument or something before, and then all of a sudden you decided to study music, like music theory or whatever, and sheet music and how to read it and stuff like that, would you then forget how to play that instrument? This is the, the, the illustration they're using here. This is the point they're using. I've, I've not seen that happen to anybody personally. So it's, it's all basically more of their nonsensical way of dismissing that perhaps they're wrong about something. No, it's, it's not them. It's not the teachings. It's not the teachings, right? It's the same thing going on in society today. You know, the, the whole died suddenly thing. It's not the vaccine. It's not. It's, it's everything else but the vaccine. Not the vaccine. Definitely not. Can't be. It's the same thing that goes on in these secret schools. Where do you think... You know, the health authorities get a lot of their doctrinal stuff from their propaganda ideals and, and such. Well, it comes from the secret societies and the intelligence community, which are interwoven very much so. Anyway, let's continue reading here. Many persons do have unusual experiences of a psychic nature before they ever take up any course of practical psychic development. 
This is because they attained some degree of development in a previous incarnation, and those faculties are striving to manifest, and do manifest at times, but without control and direction by the person. What must be done is to learn how to control and direct the faculties and develop them to a more perfect state of functioning. To do this, the spasmodic actions of these faculties must cease for a time, and nature stops them until the time comes to use them under control after the laws and principles have been learned. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So, yeah, so the, the simple fact you have this ability, well... It's necessary when you start to learn about this ability that it stops for a while. <laughs> that's, that's their justification for this. Until you can learn the laws and how to control it, right? And then maybe it'll manifest again later if you learn good enough control. But if you don't, then oh well. Uh, that's just because you're not good enough, right? <laughs> so <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that really like I, I find intriguing about this. Yet people still eat this stuff up don't they? They truly believe. I want to believe, right? It's more of the same. More of the same I want to believe that goes into a lot of this. Let's continue on there. Therefore, our members are guided and directed in their individual development, and in addition to the study and practice of the lessons, the one who is truly on the path will give the utmost of devotion to the order to assist it in its uh, and its other members that the masters may be helped by the very ones who will later on seek help and guidance from the masters. So going to pause for a moment here, folks. So once again, the most important thing is that you're devoted to the order. And that's, of course, if you're truly the on the path. So if you're truly worthy, if you're a true seeker, if you're truly ready and worthy, you're on the path. And then you will be of the utmost devotion to the order and you'll help its other members to achieve their goals so that you too could see receive guidance from these unseen masters you see see how this works let's continue on we'll wrap it up here in a few more minutes special help in development being always ready to render some service to the order through the order or because of the order is a form of devotion which pays each member the greatest dividends in development, for by such service he obligates the order and the cosmic to him, and from the cosmic he can expect compensation. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So you see, it is inculcated into your mind that the most important facet of all of this is your devotion to the order and doing what you're told by the order only in so doing can you develop these faculties in yourself. It is only through this. You see. And that's because the cosmic... The cosmic... will give him just compensation. And they represent the cosmic. The cosmic consciousness. Or so they claim, right? Let's continue on. That is why the keynote of the Rosicrucian order is service. All through the graded work in the temples of our order, the student is impressed with the fact that service is the duty he owes to it and all mankind. Going to pause for another moment there, folks. Service to the order. 
by serving the needs and the wants and the desires of the order. You serve all mankind. And it is your sworn duty, and you've taken blood oaths at this point, to do this. So be a good little order taker. If you want to maybe someday be found worthy of experiencing some type of spiritual enlightenment or psychic enlightenment, psychic illumination as it were, developing these psychic powers and abilities, be a good little stooge for the New World Order. Let's continue on. Few members realize, of course, the many ramifications of the Rosicrucian Order, and in its public literature it says very little of this phase of its great work. The fact is that not only has AMORC in the worldwide jurisdiction, the Americas, Australasia, Europe, Africa, and Asia, for instance, three or four very definite associate organizations under its direction, but it has 12 definite avenues of service and labor in behalf of its members, and about the same number in behalf of mankind generally. All of these activities, often carried on to a high degree without being known, except to a few hundred of America's foremost newspaper editors, scientists, judges, lawyers, physicians, and educators, require trained experts to do the work in secret, funds to meet emergencies, secretaries to keep records, and space for the preservation of the work in our national organization. These avenues are only revealed to the individual if it is thought he can and is qualified to serve in one of them. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. Is this an outright admission of a secret state within the various governments and organizations of the world? What do you think? Is this the deep state? as it's often referred to. I think it's a very real possibility. I mean, we have crossover in the intelligence community, most definitely from the secret society groups. This is a known and proven commodity as well. Where do you think the, the intelligence agencies got all of their methodologies from? From the secret society groups. It's the same thing. You put these people in these positions, and all it takes is a few hundred people in the right places to disseminate everything that needs to be disseminated, all the policy, everywhere. And you'll notice the first thing named there is the foremost newspaper editors. Well, that would be the media in the modern era, folks. The media. Just a few. I'm going to repeat that last paragraph here. All of these activities, often carried out on to a high degree without being known except to a few hundred of America's foremost newspaper editors, i.e. the media, scientists, judges, lawyers, physicians, and educators, require trained experts to do the work in secret, funds to meet emergencies, secretaries to keep records and space for the preservation of the work in our national organization. These avenues are only revealed to the individual if it is thought he can and is qualified to serve in one of them. Let's continue on from there. I think you get the point. This is how secret society groups have infiltrated every portion of our society and administered control over society at large. 
This is the big secret, folks. This is how they've done it. Points it out right here. And it's only if you get high enough in the echelons of the order here that maybe you're considered worthy of performing some service for the organization and for the Great White Brotherhood, as they call it, and these uh, ascended masters, these various spiritual forces, to do some of the work for them and maybe infiltrate into these positions where you have a lot of influence and do certain things for the order. You see how this works? But let's continue on. Perhaps one of the greatest services rendered to our members is through the personal correspondence to and from the Grand Lodge. Do our members ever think of the nature of that correspondence and the cost, the tremendous cost, to maintain such a service department? Take, for instance, the students of a law course issued by a correspondence school of law or by a college in personal instruction. The students of such a course may confine their written or oral questions to the points of study in their law lessons and cannot expect answers and detailed help on other subjects. Or take students of an engineering course. They must confine their questions and appeals for help to matters strictly limited to the subject of the phase of engineering they are studying at the time. But take the students of our work. They are not studying any one definite course of instruction, nor are they striving to attain mastership in just one direction. And we, as directors of their studies, friends of their interests, brothers of the whole membership, and officers of a very broad and inclusive system of humanitarian activity, must be prepared to assist in thousands of ways. The interests of our members are our interests. Their personal problems are our problems, wherever it lies within our power to help them. Were one a student of a law or engineering course, the school from which he receives his instruction could not be expected to show any interest in the members of his family. Not so with us. Likewise, his business affairs, his health, his social affairs, all these are of importance to him in his progress through life and must, therefore, be of interest to us within our facilities. And I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. So these secret society groups, they want to have a place or position of prominence in every aspect of your life. If you get high enough into their membership here, and they will help you to a certain degree where they can in certain ways, as long as you do their bidding... So if you get to one of these highly sought positions of influence, well, they're going to take care of you as long as you take care of them. They'll take care of your members of your family, <coughs> Hunter Biden, uh, and various things like that that happen. Understand how it works. You scratch their back, they'll scratch yours. And this can't be expected from, like, say, any institute of higher learning. And this is why... You know, it's so expensive for an organization like the AMORC to operate. Why they need their dues paid. Why they need an influx of money. Because, well, they have to be able to answer these thousands of different aspects of challenges that their members have. It's not just one specialty, folks. Let's continue reading here. 
Here is where the instruction department, the Council of Solace, and the specialized directors of certain branches of our work render the great service, which has made the Rosicrucian Order famous as a practical institution of real benefits to its members. And then we're going to go to this next section here, folks, and then we're going to, I think, wrap it up here today. The Rosicrucian Order, AMORC, is a fraternity of men and women who, through their study and application of natural laws and principles, endeavor to promote that harmony and peace which reside within the heart and minds of each person. Of necessity, the acceptance of this work is at all times voluntary. Thoughts of goodwill, kindliness, and health are best received by an open and receptive mind. Active affiliation and psychic contact assure the continuance of both the material and the psychic work of the order. The active participation of each freighter or and soarer strengthens the bonds of the order, assuring that the benefits of the order will be available to all that seek them. An active member of the order is one who maintains both a physical and a psychic contact. While financial support is necessary for the continuation and operations of AMORC, the mere payment of dues or the possession of a membership card does not in itself fulfill the purposes of being a Rosicrucian student. Active members study and apply the Rosicrucian teachings in their own lives the best they can at the time. They are receptive to allowing peace, harmony, kindliness, and good health to come to the surface within their own lives, and they are supportive of others attempting to do the same. The active member maintains his membership by study, active practice, and support. For this reason, the greatest honor the Rosicrucian Order can bestow upon any man or woman is active membership in its rank and file of working members because we each desire within ourselves to make progress toward our ultimate goals of self-mastery, harmony, and peace, we are also protective of our contact, our devotion, our active participation with others of the order. Through our active participation, our membership comes to have for us deep meaning and significance that is indeed precious. For active members, the Order's work comes to signify and represent an inner process unfolding within themselves. So I'm going to pause right there on that note. They want to maintain not only physical contact, but psychic contact with you. That means the influence of, well, perhaps some spiritual type of powers into your life that may or may not have your best interests in mind may or may not have the best interests of the world as a whole in mind. You see how this kind of has some nefarious underpinnings to it? And you're not really a true member of the Order unless you have this psychic contact within. So you might be one of the outer-level members, much like Freemasonry has its Blue Lodge. Rosicrucianism has its many members walking around who claim... No, nothing nefarious goes on within the organization. It's just a bunch of good folks trying to make the world a better place, doing nice things, learning about some occult secrets of sorts. Nothing wrong with that, though, right? It's what they claim. But I am going to, since we have a couple more minutes here, continue on a little bit further because... It does get a little more interesting in this next section. Divine Illumination. 
the great goal of the great white brotherhood, is ever before the vision of all sincere Rosicrucians. The word white has no reference to race. Going to pause for a moment here, folks, even though the Rosicrucians teach so many different race-based things within their teachings, if you really get down to the brass tags of it. They claim here the Great White Brotherhood has no reference to race. They make sure to note that. Let's continue on. It alludes to light. The sublime joy of cosmic consciousness, divine illumination, can be known only through experience, and those who have made the contact have written in hundreds of books in the past ages such alluring descriptions as were calculated to tempt the seeker on the path to be patient and persistent in his journey toward that goal. You will realize, of course, that the Great White Brotherhood and the Great White Lodge have no visible organization. They never come together in one united session. Their members are never assembled in any one meeting. They have no temple known by their names, and they have no earthly rituals, physical organization laws, or material form as a brotherhood or lodge. That is why it is often said in mystical writings that the real Rosicrucian Brotherhood is an invisible organization. The Rosicrucian order is truly visible, but the Great Brotherhood back of it is not visible as a body. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. This is a hugely telling idea here, if you know how to read between the lines in this statement. What they're telling you is that thing that underlies this organization, this physical organization that is visible, is an invisible force, an invisible spirit that penetrates throughout all these different secret society groups and organizations and directs them toward a unified goal, a common purpose, and you may recognize that term from some political movements, common purpose. It's a spirit, a spiritual influence on these people that direct them in certain ways, and only the highest, most level initiates within the inner circles of these secret society groups have contact allegedly with some of these quote-unquote ascended masters or directors or hierarchies as they call them that direct them in things to do and they send out these different types of agendas through various channels in different ways that's why it's hard to pin down who really runs things at the topmost levels of the power structure. Because it's this spiritual influence that may affect one person within the Brotherhood to activate some such agenda or another from one place and another one from another place, seemingly without collusion with one another, but it's still directed by the same force or spirit behind it. And I think there truly is a spiritual influence of beyond human intelligence behind the direction that we've seen the world taking, the inculcation of this new world order. This is what's described in the Bible as the devil, Satan, Lucifer, Antichrist, 
this Antichrist system is being built all around us. It's being directed by this very same spirit that uh, influences people within these secret organizations who have sway and influence all throughout society, as we see. And their ultimate goal here, their great goal, it says here, is this cosmic consciousness or divine illumination, this this communication with that spiritual influence, folks. Cosmic consciousness. Divine illumination. Well, who's the illuminator? Who's the illuminated one? Lucifer. Who's the spirit behind? Freemasonry. The one they acknowledge in the highest, most echelons as the great architect of the universe, Lucifer. This is where the light comes from. This is the spirit guiding the secret society groups to this quote-unquote divine illumination. Do you understand what's behind all this? What's behind the psychic powers, as it were? If people do happen to manifest some type of psychic ability... within these secret organizations? Where does that come from? Does it truly come from within, like they say? Is it through the teachings that they give you? Is it because of where you were in your past evolution, in your prior incarnation here? How does this all work together? Well, nobody really knows for sure. They claim to know, and they claim it's all about this cosmic consciousness, this divine illumination, this contact. That's the great goal of the Great White Brotherhood, according to them, this spiritual undercurrent behind the Rosicrucian Brotherhood, behind all these different secret brotherhoods. It's about having this type of atonement with that spiritual force, that entity, identified through Freemasonry as Lucifer, identified by many other distinctions within some of the secret society groups, often disguised as some ascended master or another, influencing these people. You see what's at the heart of all of this? And it's all based on deception and lies and manipulation to attain power over others. That's what's happened with these secret society groups, although that they do teach some aspects of natural laws and natural forces that occur in this world and have a better understanding of some of that that they've kept hidden from the rest of us so that they could maintain control although they do teach some good things in those regards and there is some merit to many of the things that they do talk about it's all poisoned by the well of this of the spirit underlying all of it and that's what's at the heart of this so you can understand this is the kind of stuff they teach in their lodges. Within their secret society groups, within their occult fraternities, these secret organizations that promise you all sorts of power and influence and benefit from joining them. This is the spirit underlying all of it, in their own words here. You just got to read between the lines a little bit and understand and know what's taught in the other organizations the same teachings, just with the different descriptive words 
backing them. It's all the same thing underlying all of it. And when you understand that, you can see what's been done in this world, how it gets done. How, why. These are the questions I attempt to answer by looking into their own works and using their own words to see what motivates them. And I'm talking, of course, about these people in charge in this place, those dark occultists who run things at the top of the power structure here in this world. This is what guides them. And they, they certainly will represent themselves as the good guys here. Oh, they're just interested in advancing the human race, evolving to the next level spiritually. They're so evolved, aren't they? They're so evolved that they feel the need to manipulate us. That's because they think of us as little more than animals. You see, they think they're better. They think they're more spiritually evolved. They're more elevated. They have the divine right to rule. And they see steering us in the directions they have as being a merciful thing for us. Trying to force us to either advance or perish in their evolutionary belief. That's what's going on, folks, in the world today. Be aware of what it is they teach and believe, and then you'll understand better the things happening in the world. Anyway, that's all I have for today. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one now. Come with me.
It's what we can make.